Hi, I'm Kat Henry and I am the current Miss Great Britain second runner-up for 2020. I'm also taking part in Miss Great Britain in 2021. Today I'm discussing returning to Miss Great Britain. Welcome to Pageantland, the UK's premier podcast for all things pageantry with your host Jessica Barkley. Here you'll find guest experts, past, present and future queens, plus my own personal insights into what it's like to follow your pageantry dreams. So whether you're hitting the stage for the first time, looking to up your game, or even after some inspiration to follow your own dreams, I hope you will find something here for you. I'll ask the questions you're too embarrassed to and get real about the highs and lows of pageantry. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a share on social and pop me a review on iTunes. Now strap on those heels and let's get into it because we have a lot to cover. And welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited to get to speak to you, Kat, because despite the fact that we are part of the team that run Pageantland, we so rarely get to chat. So this is kind of really nice because we can we can call this work, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I actually get to have a bit of a natter and a bit of a catch up. And um, so, uh, if anyone has been living in a box and doesn't know who you are, can you explain a little bit about who you are and how you started in pageantry, please? Sure. So my name's Kat Henry. I am. Mm, I've been in the pageant world for six years. <laughs> um, I took part in my first pageant in 2014. Well, it was 2015 where I actually competed, and I won that pageant and I won the title of Miss uh, British Beauty Curve 2015-16. I then have just done, I think, four other pageants since. And I've taken home an international title, come within top 10 in one of them. And my last pageant, I placed third. So, yeah, that's what I do. Outside of that, um, I am a I work full time for a law firm in the city. I am a mother. I am a Zumba fitness instructor. I'm a local radio DJ. I'm a blogger and a vlogger. And I am, well... I do all kinds of different things on top of that. And I'm a, yeah, did I say I'm a local radio DJ? Wow, <laughs> the list. I just can't keep up. <laughs> and, uh, and a member of the pageant man team. I always like, people ask me like what I do. And I was like, how much time have you got? I, I ended up stumping when I go to conferences. Obviously they're not happening at the moment anyway. I just call myself a multifaceted entrepreneur because I can't come up. Like, I'm like, it's quicker just to say that. <laughs> it's, it's, it might have to happen. I'm getting to the point now where I cannot list everything. So I might have to just follow your lead, Jeff. I think that might be the joy. <laughs> if I can't be bothered, I just say I'm a mum and, and <laughs> just ignore the rest of it. And then it comes out in conversation and they're like, oh, I thought you were just a mum. And it's like, well, <laughs> no one is ever just a mum. It's not really a thing, but <laughs> I'll pretend it is. Um, so like you said, in 2020, you competed in Miss Great Britain. Um, what made you want to compete in that pageant last year? Last year. It was this year, wasn't it, still? Was yeah, this year. <laughs> it feels like an eternity ago. It really does. But um, yes, it was this year in February. So I saw it advertised that they were opening up a category for women over the age of 28. And I'll be honest, I'd always watched Miss Great Britain and kind of dreamed that I was like 10 years younger <laughs> because the age limit capped out at 27. And when I came to the pageant land, I, you know, I had already aged out of that category so it was kind of like a I wish I was younger sort of thing uh, whenever I looked at it but I've been following Miss Great Britain for a number of years and 
I've kind of admired what they do. I like the system um, from, what, from what I knew of it. And but it was never something that I could like dream to take part in because of my age. So when they advertised that they were taking like doing the 75th anniversary and introducing this new category, I thought if this is made for me, like I have to do this. And I entered it thinking they've not really had somebody who looks like me, you know, my sort of shape, size, um, you know, skin tone up on the stage doing what I do best, which is being sassy and flouncy. <laughs> so I thought, you know what, why not see if we can, some, you know, shatter some more glass ceilings and take part. I didn't really expect to be accepted. So it was quite a shock when I did. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I think that's so often the thing. We, we, we do look at some pageants and think that there are certain a certain body type, a certain type of girl that always wins. But is it more that you get stuck in this trap of it's always the same type of girl on stage, which means that it's always the same type of girl that wins? Whereas actually when people start applying to systems they don't think they fit in, they realise that it's it's just that, that people haven't applied before. Yeah, I do kind of think that people, to a certain extent, they look at previous winners, previous contestants, and they kind of judge whether or not they would fit in based on that, you know, that trait only. And that's not really a good representation of what that system does, you know, allow. And I think that people should, instead of making a judgment, try. And I've learned throughout my, you know, journey as all the different like pageant systems I've worked with, everybody is accepting of all different shapes and sizes. There's not any particular uh, pageant that I've ever entered that's turned around and said people of different shapes and sizes aren't welcome. If anything, it's been completely the opposite. So I think it's just more a case of if people don't see people representing who they look like, they don't know it's something that they could achieve. And that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to do it, because I do kind of feel like people can look at me up on stage and realise that there is a space for them if they want it. I remember, I can't remember who the interview was was with. Was with? Yeah, that's the right way. Was with. <laughs> and I think it was with Holly, um, but don't quote me. And, and I asked the person sort of a stereotype that they were wished didn't exist. And they said, oh, that you have to be tall to win, which I found hilarious because I always thought you had to be short to win. <laughs> I, I obviously once once I saw Harriet Lane win, that got shattered too. But in the uh, in the start, looking at all the winners, I, I just felt like such. And I think that was also part of my insecurities about my height is even though I'm tall, I always feel so much taller than people that I actually am. Um, and uh, I just kept seeing I felt like everyone it was really short, petite people were winning. Um, and and I was never going to be short and petite. Like, it's just not going to happen. I'm 5'11". Um, and yeah, and then I saw Parrot win. And I was like, oh, OK. So you can be tall, but I just found it really funny that there was a, um, that um, whoever it was that I was talking to um, thought that there was a stereotype you had to be tall to win. <laughs> I guess from the more like international uh, like stages and the big pageant stages, like you know Miss Universe, Miss World, um, you know that sort of thing. In the past, women have been quite statuesque, quite tall, quite leggy. So I guess that sort of 
imagery might be translated through what a lot of people understand of pageantry. But I guess with the, throughout the rest of the world and definitely throughout the times, that sort of set sort of dynamic of a woman has has changed. It's adapted and it's become, you know, more generic, more normal. And it's not only one particular type of woman. And I think that's really important that there is representation of all different shapes, sizes, heights, races, abilities throughout pageantry and uh, something that I feel quite passionate about so I'm glad it's happened I do feel like we have a long way to go but without people entering and you know breaking those stereotypes you're not really going to see it happen until more people feel more comfortable that they will be accepted and not judged based on those it's quite it's quite tricky because I think there's this like catch uh, and I've talked about this with a couple of directors, this sort of catch-22 bubble. See, we've digressed already. And this <laughs> catch-22 bubble of um, one of the things that would really help is systems actively promoting to different types of women to get them involved. But then that can be seen as being um, selective because you're like, oh, you're... you're you're being anti-white now because you're trying to get more more girls of different skin colours into your pageant and things. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're not, we're just trying to, like, there's this really tricky bubble. And and I think we just all need to to call BS on it and be like, we can promote to everyone. And it, yeah. I do think that it's like, you know, like I, I think one person who I think has done really well and, you know, Maria obviously bringing in the scholarship for women of colour this year for Galaxy International um it was a good move because I, I do kind of feel like if you look at especially you know with within pageantry at the moment it would be nice to have more women of colour represented and winning um you know it is something that isn't really as prevalent here in the UK as it as it is abroad and um, I think it is nice to have that opportunity. And Maria has opened that, that door by providing that scholarship. And I think that is that is a good, it's a good step. Um, and whilst I can appreciate that people will look at it from the other side and say, well, why is there only scholarships available for women of colour? It's because they are underrepresented. And, you know, to provide representation, you need to build up the sides that are underrepresented. And that, by her allowing that to happen with this scholarship, it does create a space for these people that might be overlooked in normal circumstances it's like when you get people saying because we did obviously did a lot of stuff and um, around black history month and people go well where's where's white history month and i'm like please unfollow me <laughs> just just take yourself out like i don't need comments like that in my life like what is wrong with you because um, <laughs> we were even um obviously within the team we're a very well represented team um, and uh but I, I, a lot of the content on our Instagram comes from people nominating Queenie and Spose and the Introduce Yourself that we run on the Facebook. Um, so the content is created from what is given to us and I can only post on to there what is given to me. Yeah. Um, and it was like, it's getting, and I was very aware that it was getting very white. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, it's, it was... It was such a joy to be able to do the Black History Month and all those posts because it was it was it sort of opened the doors. And I am finding now that people are nominating Queenie Inspos and signing up to the Introduce Yourself from a lot of different um, ethnicities instead of it yeah. just being 
Exactly. And I do kind of, I feel I know we're digressing even more so, but um, there is a, there has been in the past a huge divide between um, black pageants, well, pageants run by black people for women and and men of, like, of colour. And there's been a huge divide between that side of pageantry and the more mainstream side of pageantry. And I never really understood why, because we're doing the same thing. And it, it just seemed like there was no crossover. And what I wanted to do was, you know, break that divide. I want it to be a unity. You know, it should be a case that pageantry is an umbrella and that encompasses, you know, plus size pageantry. It encompasses mainstream pageantry. It encompasses all levels of pageantry because we are all under the same thing. and We're all doing the same like job like it's just basically we all have a common goal and it was nice to kind of be able to you know link that and I found that doing you know pageant land online that gives us a platform to be able to do that and that's why I was so passionate about being involved because it does allow us to kind of bring more people into the fold and kind of understand their way of dealing with things and try and encompass that into the other way and making it a bit more unified. I mean, I've learned so much to do this. We've got an episode coming out in season five, but I haven't recorded it yet. Um, with Jasmine from House of Pageantry, where we're going to be specifically discussing how we remove racism from pageantry, which is obviously going to be a long journey. Um, <laughs> obviously, the, the sort of discussing some of the starting steps and, and things, because I know that uh, with House of Pageantry, they've experienced um, some not great stuff. Um, from the racism side of things so I'm looking forward yeah. to, that, to getting to record that episode I think it's going to be uh, uh, an emotionally draining one for like both sides but a very important conversation to have um, very much so so we'll get we'll get back on track for this episode sorry <laughs> that's the thing the best things come between the questions the best <laughs> con- the best content like the most important things come between the, the, the questions and um, so going back to questions you're returning to Ms. Great Britain in 2021 what made you want to come back I'm not done <laughs> um I kind of I'll be honest when I took part in in Ms. Great Britain in February I kind of set myself a goal of I really 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 wanted to win the award for social media and when I didn't win the award for social media I felt really disheartened like I um I didn't do what I had set my heart on and I kind of felt like at that point when my name wasn't announced that I had blown it so then when I made top eight I was absolutely beside myself like I I was like yes like there is representation here I've done it I've 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 done part of what I set out to do and then when I got my name called in top three (laughs) I was just like uh, yeah like it it was a completely overwhelming situation uh, you know I was stood beside two of of the women that I completely admire you know me and Zara got very very close throughout the the um the run-up to the competition and you know so did uh, we got quite close to April as well I know that Zara and April have known each other for a while but I had never really interacted with April because well prior to the competition because she was always like wow this fat, you know beautiful statuesque beauty with like this fashion line and it was just somebody that I kind, I kind of fangirled over when I met her if I'm honest and um 
it, so I, I kind of, when my name was called in top three, I was like, this is the dream. Like I'm so made up about this, but there was a part of me that was just like, you know what? I can grow and I can do better and I'm not done yet. And the one thing that my mum always taught me is if you really do truly honestly want something in life, you have to go for it and you don't stop until you achieve it. So even if it takes me, you know, 10 years of competing, I'm not going to give up until I know for certain that I've done the very, very best I can. So that's where me coming back, you know, again, is the most important thing for me to do so yeah I'm differently this time is there anything that you kind of pinpointed last time you're like oh no I want to change that next time I want to concentrate I think more I I concentrated a lot on getting the most amount of appearances done I did over 101 appearances throughout the whole of of my uh, lead up to the uh, the final And they always sort of said from the beginning that it was more about the quality of the appearances rather than the quantity. So I'm really going to focus on making sure that whilst I will do what I do best, which is get my sash out there, you know, go and take part in as much philanthropic work, as much voluntary work, as much, um, you know, getting my sash out into the public for as, as, as much as possible, they won't be the meaningful appearances that I will submit come the end of 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 um at the end of the competition basically and I, I think I'm going to put more focus on that uh, into quality over quantity I'm also just going to I feel like I, I feel a bit more comfortable um knowing the format knowing what to expect on the day um getting to know the directors a bit more and I kind of feel like I have a better understanding now of what they're looking for so in terms of the type of you know the the caliber of of queen that they're looking for and I feel like I can deliver that so I'm going to showcase that to the best of my ability I'm going to work my hardest and I'm most most importantly I'm going to have fun because actually the one part of competing that I love the most and I know you're probably going to ask me this later is competing on stage and that's where I shine so I'm just going to completely be myself. I'm going to obviously practice all, all the normal stuff, like practice my walk. But essentially, I don't want to change anything. I just want to grow. And I think that's an important step for me is just to continue to push and grow and really feel more comfortable in doing what I'm doing and what I do best. I'm so excited. I, I, it's an, it was absolutely electric uh, pageant to watch um I'd never been to see it and and I treated myself to a seat with a, with food uh because I wasn't going I wasn't traveling with anyone specifically I knew I knew would know loads of people there um and I always say it's so my top tip well, obviously when events open up again <laughs> if there is seated tables with food and you're traveling on your own if you can fork out that bit extra and get a table with a seat because it means you've got a table of people to sit with if you don't know anyone to go with you're going to get conversations get going around a table so much easier than when you're sat in rows of chairs yeah Um, and it means if you're going and you don't know anyone you can go and you can find your seat and you put your bag down and 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 conversation will start flowing so much easier than if you're sort of hiding at the back in the rows of chairs not knowing where to go and so I was in I think it was literally table number one like right on the front row and 
perfect line for live streaming. Wish I'd taken my tripod because my arm was killing by the end of it because all the other people that were live streaming had like battery issues or signal issues. So I know a lot of people were relying on my live stream by the time we got to the end of it. <laughs> I had the perfect spot for it as well. Um, but it was the apps. It was an absolutely amazing pageant to watch. The staging and things is just incredible. So um, yeah, just oh. to be fair, I'd go and watch something in a cardboard box right now. But <laughs> I think we all would. <laughs> yeah, it'll be nice to get back into like watching the big events and things. And even if we're all sat there in masks, um, I'd just yeah, be nice, nice to get there. And um, so obviously at the moment you're really, really mental, but this episode doesn't go out for a little while. And um, how are you sort of currently preparing or be will be preparing over sort of the end of 2020 and the start of 2021? Um. I kind of knew for a while that this was something I was going to do. So from the minute I kind of didn't win, I had already started preparing my return pending, uh, you know, approval, not approval, but like acceptance to to go around again, basically. So I feel like I've been preparing since February (laughs) and it's not really stopped. Um, I, I did something that actually a lot of, people kind of frowned upon or not frowned upon but I kind of had um, a few odd looks doing it but I went and I spoke to both my directors um the day after winning um actually at the like the after party and I sort of said look I hope that you don't mind me doing this and I wanted to clear it with you first like do you have any problems with me wearing my second runner-up sash to you know public events even though I haven't won and the response that I got from my directors was like we've never had that before no one has ever wanted to do that and the way that I look at it and I actually spoke to Harriet about it because obviously she didn't win uh international but she was a runner-up and she often goes out wearing her I I was gonna mention that her her runner-up um the top the top five, uh, so up to fourth runner-up uh, with international, the international of international, they are contracted um, uh, in the same way that a winner would be contracted. Exactly. So um, I kind of, I, I said that to to them and they were like, look, if you know, that would be amazing. Like if you if you want to go out there and, you know, be proud of the fact that you have achieved that, then yes, by all means, you'd be, you, you know, you're welcome to go and do that. And I feel exceedingly proud of of coming third place in a pageant with such a you know a huge you know standing. I'm I'm so proud. I feel like I've won. Do you know what I mean? Like for me, that was a winner, and I I'm not I'm never going to turn around and not be proud of that. So for me to wear that red sash out, um, you know, it kind of gave me a purpose. It gave me something to do. It gave me. a a way to kind of focus any you know growth that I wanted to do into you know something promising and you know something positive so I just I just got on with it so I feel like I have been preparing since (laughs) since February obviously lockdown has happened but you know my my own personal life has you know has changed and thrown things up in the air with losing my mum to Covid and almost losing my dad and you know I've I've become a Zumba instructor. I was teaching something. I was teaching a different fitness um, program before. Um, you know, my, a lot of my life has changed. I've, you know, sold a property. You know, I've done all kinds of different things in the last, like, however many months it's been. But it's been such a whirlwind. Yeah. I've I found it hard to kind of, especially where there's not 
appearances happening every week I found it hard to kind of drag it back to pageantry and kind of keep myself focused but I think now that there are more contestants being accepted I was uh, you know I did it again I was the first um, named contestant for that category (laughs) so I've done that two years running now (laughs) but it kind of started the ball rolling and there's other contestants that are being announced and with the addition of the classic uh, division this year um I kind of hope that I'll be able to collaborate with with some of the ladies and and kind of get the the spirit going and you know I have I have my first uh, charity event tomorrow which is a two-hour Zumbathon from home virtually uh, but it gives you know it gives us the option well it gives me the ability to raise money for for cancer research which is very important to me both my mum and, and my dad have cancer um so yeah it's it's something that I really I wanted to do so yeah I'm I'm prepping I've got outfits in mind I just need to I need the shops to be open again so that I can go and purchase them <laughs> but oh, yeah I've got I've got bits as well like I've I've I probably should do it I should get interview myself actually because I've done a I've done a platform switcheroo and um, because it didn't my plat, previous platform as much as I was still passionate about it doesn't feel authentic with the 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 place or sort of state of the world is in at the moment and things so I've switched that so I'm really trying to do a lot of secondhand upcycled bits of my outfits because that is in line with my care what you consume platform so I've been doing a lot of like secondhand shopping online <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing Planning. I think it is that is really important I think that especially given the current climate it's um it's really important that we do kind of take stock of what we have um you know if anything this year has taught me that life is short it's not promised and we have to kind of look after this world and you know the world thrived the world the environment thrived while we all sat in our first lockdown you yeah. know smog cleared in some of the countries you know the the air was clearer here in the UK you know everything was just the the world was enjoying the reset yeah. and we as people should understand the impact that we have on the environment and how we can actually make a huge difference just by changing some of the ingrown you know habits that really we should get out of it's a job job for that's important it's it's the little changes that people life gets so busy and nuts but actually the little changes can add up so quickly and also I find once I make a little change and realize how easy it was to change that little thing I want to change more and 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 suddenly we're vegan Um, uh, you know uh, hats off to you Jess but I love meat far too much to do that but I do understand why people do it and I do you know I whilst I sympathize I'm I'm not built that way and um you know I, there's not it's far be it from me to say, to say that. that same thing I used to say all of those phrases no I know and I, I have a I have quite a few uh, one of my closest friends is vegan and um we've had many a conversation about why I choose to eat meat and stuff and I think there is down to personal preference and whilst I completely understand and respect somebody's decision I wouldn't expect anybody to kind of try and influence my own so it's kind of like you have to in this world we have to know that never say difference... though never yeah I know I, I just... always said I, I, I'd been vegetarian I'd been vegetarian briefly at school and vegan briefly at school but it's because the boy I fancied was I like never <laughs> and funnily enough the um, mine's environmental I'm an I'm I'm vegan first and foremost for the environmental impact that the meat industry has on like the forest deforestation and things like that yeah. and, and then health 
And then actual animal cruelty is actually third on my list, which I kind of feel guilty about, but I think it's also important to be honest. And for yeah. me, that is third place on my list. Um, we always used to buy from small independent butchers and things like that. So um, yeah. anyway, we've massively <laughs> digressed. <because>, um, <laughs> that will be around because otherwise we end up being really, really long episodes. Um, so you did say you thought I was going to ask you this question, but I'm actually going to put a different spin on it because it's not what's your favourite part of competing, but what is most important about competing for you? What do you think, like, why do you do it beyond the bits you love, if that makes sense? Um, I, It's funny because actually somebody asked me that today when I explained to them that I was doing this podcast interview with you. Um, it, for me, there it's multifaceted. I, I, I do kind of believe that there are many different layers to being a pageant girl um the the most important thing I think for me is making the connections with my fellow contestants those connections build friendships that last way more than the 12 months or however many months you're competing for um you know I've met some of my closest friends through pageantry and I I, you know those people are going to be at my funeral you know that those those sorts of things are important making the memories are priceless um I think that all the philanthropic work is allows me to to not only be a positive role model to future contestants but also the younger generation I feel like we have a huge responsibility to prove that beauty pageants aren't necessarily about objectifying women they are about far more you know we are military people you know we're service women we are you know doctors neurosurgeons all kinds of things as well as pageant girls and I feel like we have a duty to continue to be positive role models within society by not only being a pageant woman but also by the things that we do outside of pageantry Uh, so so those things are important to me as well so I feel like there are different levels, but for me, you can't beat being on stage. And I feel like if if the world doesn't recover from, you know, COVID within a, a respectable timescale, it would break my heart if we had to take it to a virtual pageant because the part of, of competing that I love the most is the thrill of being on stage. Okay. That's so, I that in a... Um... Yeah this was way sort of back in the summer when we didn't know what it was going to be like in October and and the the team behind Miss Team GB were Mm -hmm. asking about what it what were people's thoughts around um going virtual or not having stage uh, or not having audience and I was I said well I'd much rather when I competed in March it wasn't really a it was just starting to creep in like we didn't know what it was gonna be and things hadn't shut down or anything yet and and I'd said well back in March I'd much rather we lost the audience than it had been cancelled but that was in that current climate and obviously we didn't know how October was gonna be and I do agree with the ones that were cancelled later in the year and things like that um but for me yeah I'd rather get up on stage with no audience if it's safe and legal to do so I'd rather get up on stage with no audience than it be completely virtual and then if if that's not possible then move to virtual yeah Um, see see for me it's very different sorry to to interject but I don't actually I think the audience reaction to on stage competition is the is what I like the most I like the reaction of the crowd when you see somebody of my shape and size 
going out there on stage and completely owning it like I, I that to me is priceless you don't get that often oh, um in know. an ideal world like I much much prefer to have the audience there but I'd much rather be on a physical stage before it went virtual if you had to lose the audience I'd rather do that I'd rather do the stage without the audience than have neither <laughs> <laughs> see I, w- I would much pro- I would much rather postpone it and wait until the world is ready um I don't think that pageantry is going anywhere I feel like it's something that will only grow um yes it's gonna it's gonna take a hard hit because pageantry is is heavily dependent on businesses supporting and um sponsoring these women and you know right now in COVID times is sponsoring a pageant contestant a huge priority obviously you know a lot of businesses are going under a lot of businesses are really struggling at the moment so you know the future of pageantry is kind of in hanging in the balance here and especially with international travel being so capped it does make life very difficult especially for the the, the systems that go to an international level I know that my own daughter is is literally sitting on tenterhooks as she waits um for the opportunity to go to Texas to compete um you know everything is is up in the air and I feel like we have a long way to go before we can get back to having the big, you know, community events that we so much love. But I would much rather that we put the hiatus on and just wait until the world is, is back to some level of new normal. So much, so much in the UK, so much needs to improve before we could even do a pageant without an audience. Like it's, it's feels so like a million miles away with it. And I think, also with how people have uh, at the time of recording this obviously this is going out later but at the time of recording this we are in our second lockdown Um, and people are acting the same as when we weren't in it and I find that really disappointing and find it really selfish as well like some people have to do things outside of the things but uh, outside of boundaries and I'm not saying I'm judging every person I see that doesn't seem to be following the rules because you know that there may be extenuating circumstances but the vast majority don't seem to have registered that we're in a second lockdown at all um, which yeah. I find really sad um, and makes me yeah. think it's going to last for a lot longer if yeah well if you start doing it's not about what you can do it should be about what you should do yeah um, and I do kind of feel like people are finding ways to flout the rules rather than taking that step back like we did in March and um, kind of deciding to, to look after health and well-being first and foremost rather than you know trying to sustain the invite you know the the economical situation I guess I understand we all have to work but having lost my mum to this I you know it, it it's it's something that it does frustrate me that people aren't taking it seriously um but I do on the flip side of it I just as much as everybody else want the world to go back to normal mm-hmm. you know my partner is a is a pilot he's furloughed it's not you know we we as a family are struggling financially I feel like there's um you know there's not enough there's there's no international travel really right now and you know that's a huge problem for my personal family so do I want the world to go back to normal yes am I prepared to sacrifice what I love so much in to be able to achieve what we want back sooner yes do I want Christmas to be ruined no of course not but do I want people to stop dying because of this this horrible pandemic yes I do I, think, I, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone I think that the, the tricky thing is people so and it's a, it's a very 
a first world attitude, but I see it so much, is if people can't do things exactly how they want to do them or how they usually do them, they see it as ruined. Um, yeah. And it's it's like, no, you've just got, you've got to adapt yeah. and, and be like, and find, right, okay, so this is how we would ideally like to have it, but we can still have great fun doing it like this. Exactly. With the rules and keeps us that little bit safer and things. Because um, mm-hmm. it's like, we're all, I think it's people very and I see it a lot with my previous work they look at very short term um, and they're like short term I want to do this and it's like yeah but if you do that then we're going to be stuck in this situation for a lot longer whereas if obviously not one person's actions but you people forget that every one person doing that adds up yeah massive impact um mm-hmm. and there was a lady over here in conversation this was a couple of weeks before we went into second lockdown and um, see we've digressed again but I think again <laughs> the best stuff happens between the questions and um, and she was moaning about she'd seen an article about a wedding a big wedding that was over numbers and they basically they'd factored in the cost of the fine into their wedding costs and just had the big wedding <laughs> genius um, like okay so but the thing is you don't I mean when they're talking about it was a massive fine that kind of money you you don't know maybe they all went and self-isolated for two weeks after like she she doesn't know the whole story and she was going on about how that was so appalling um and then and in the next breath she was saying because she lived alone she got a bubble so she changed her bubble every day (laughs) and I was like that means that you're just as bad. How is that any better? You changing your bubble every day, depending on who you want to hang out with. We are creatures of um, comfort and we are creatures of, you know, our own personal circumstance. We will always look to find a way to allow things to continue, like you said, you know, to the best of our ability. But certain people just don't want to make those sacrifices. And I feel like that is a, a really hard problem. Like we need to kind of, we need to understand that, like you said, the changes that we need to make now are for the greater good. They're not for short term. They, you know, we're trying to change this long term so that we can have a better future. And people need to understand that. Well, it's like with the rule, rule of six, we had massive problems with big gatherings of youths around the area. And in the, in I live by one of the rural parks. And mm-hmm. it's like, but they could still go out in groups of six. Yeah. It's just not the massive, like, there was literally, I think it was about 25 or 30 of them, and I was walking out with Felicity, and half of them were topless as well. And this was in October. <laughs> and I'm like, it's five o'clock on October on a not particularly nice day, and you're running around topless. I just didn't get it. I just didn't get that <laughs> at all. Like, but there was, like, 30 of them, like, rolling around on the floor together. I'm like, literally... The only way this could be any worse if you were completely stocked or naked. I'm like, what? How do you not get that that is not one acceptable behaviour in general? But right now, I just, it would be on me. I don't I worry for the <laughs> worry for society moving forward, even after the pandemic, if this is the youth coming through. Like, <laughs> no, never mind. Never mind. Right. Um, back to, we've got our last couple of questions. Um, what would you bring to the crown if you won and what's your purpose like your if you had just one thing you were going to achieve with the crown what would it be wow uh that's a big question um I think that the most important thing that I can personally do for the crown is continue to prove that representation is the most important thing right now 
and I do kind of feel like for women of my size shape um for my ethnicity you know and and abilities also because you know I live with invisible illnesses I you know I, I I'm not exactly you know I have vitiligo I have various different autoimmune disease, autoimmune diseases I feel like I am kind of showing up for people that don't often get that opportunity and I want to continue to prove that if I can do it then yes you can and that lays into you know the initiative that I started uh, almost two years ago now which is the yes I can initiative uh, kind of which is designed to you know break down negative stereotypes you know negative assumptions and prove these stereotypes wrong and prove that we are capable and worthy of doing whatever we want to and achieving success is available for everybody the one thing that frustrates me greatly about society is that people seem to not want to promote other people and I'm a big big stickler for you know empowering other people uh, I, I see a lot of people keeping things quiet or not wanting to share other people's work or not wanting to praise somebody when they've found success and that to me is just it's it's inhumane like I uh, you know you don't dull your own sparkle by lighting somebody else's shine like that's not how it works you know we there is totally enough space in this world for everyone to achieve success in what they need to do if you can just dream these things to happen you can truly believe that you can achieve it and then it you know it will happen it it, it is all the law of attraction these things are available to you if you want them and I want to be surrounded by all the sparkle I think that's like how boring would it be if you were the only sparkly unicorn in a really grey drab miserable world as opposed to if you lived in a sparkly beautiful rainbow world surrounded <laughs> by all, everyone else's awesomeness that'd be so I'm, I'm picturing my little pony because that's what we're watching this morning <laughs> now um but but it, it's exactly that isn't it it's like um uh, people always say, "Does it really? Does it really matter what the outside of your house looks like?" Because how often do you stand on the uh, stand outside and look at your own house? You're normally mm. on the inside, looking out at everyone else's houses. So, like, yeah. clear up your street, help your neighbour get rid of that sofa that's been in their front yard, like, um, sweep up the leaves together. Like, it, that's what you see. You don't stop worrying so much about just your own and, and look at the, all of it. So, those are two kind of cross analogies, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I do also think that kindness and, and, you know, in this world is is lacking and, you know, judgment seems to be gate like raising. Like, I don't understand why people are so judgmental of other people's circumstances. I don't understand why people aren't kinder to each other. We are all human beings. We all, you know, underneath everything, our blood is red and we are all humans and we should not be seeing each other's differences as something to discriminate against we should be looking at those differences and and exalting in them you know everyone has unique characteristics we are all different if we were all the same like you just said we'd be this world would be so boring so dull like it it's so much you know there's so many different we are a melting pot this whole world is such a melting pot we should be exalting in that well, it's like the debate that we had um, on that I started really, really late because I was very late to the party about the WAP song. I'm not <laughs> even 
call it that. I'm not doing <laughs> the dignity of calling it what it's called because I just found it so vile. Um, but we had such an awesome debate, and it was so like lively and colourful, and um. And I even said to um, Hannah Golding, because she's like very pro that song and I'm very con that song. And, I said, and her and I, I said, I think our relationship, our friendship is stronger because we always seem to be on the different sides of things. And, <laughs> but it just brings so much more light and colour into like our discussions. Like how boring would it be to go, oh, I hate that song. Oh, I hate that song too. Yeah, I think that also the flip side to that, Jess, is that we've we've created this world where everyone feels like their opinion um, has a place. And whilst I completely agree that everybody is entitled to their opinion, there is a level of tact that seems to be missing from from that item. So, yes, you can have your opinion, but you don't need to voice it if it is going to negatively affect somebody else's opinion and I do believe that we can all exist having our own opinions as long as you don't use your opinion to berate somebody else's opinion no, so having a, that's a not healthy debate and being able to take because like I learned things from the other side of that debate during that and um, that uh oh, it ended up it ended up being discussed over two feeds so um I commented I was like oh I didn't see it from like see that point I mean I still don't like the song but I did learn some other things from it and some people directed me to some really good content on YouTube which led me down a rabbit hole about looking at some completely other issue like you need to be there's so much there's just so much intrigue and knowledge to be learned from listening to each other's opinions with yes that digging your heels in and thinking that your opinion is the only valid one. No, and I I do kind of feel like at the moment, though, people feel like they hide behind their opinion and say, well, that's just my opinion. And it's all well and good saying, well, that's just your opinion. But if your opinion means that you're being racist towards somebody or your opinion means that you're being sexist or, you know, ableist or homophobic, then I'm sorry, that opinion is not, that's meant to be you know shared at that point do you see what yeah. I mean like it's it's such a fine line it's so hard right now to kind of understand where you can exert your opinion without influencing or upsetting somebody else this is where it goes from being uh and who was I discussing this with I can't remember um but it's knowing so the English language is so so complex and we so often use words um in a way that it becomes ingrained that that's the way we use that word whereas actually the word means something differently and when it becomes into really deep debate about whether it's opinion um a, a moral issue an ethical issue yeah. um, it's that's where it becomes really tricky and I end up I quite often go and find someone smarter who's had their opinion on YouTube <laughs> direct them to and be like this person's explaining it better than me because we don't we don't use the English language correctly enough to be able to articulate exactly what we mean behind things mm-hmm. um because there there sometimes there's a word that very specifically relates to what we mean but we'll use a more blanketed word and therefore actually we're expressing our opinion incorrectly um, yeah. because we're using a blanket word instead of the specific word that relates to it this is getting very deep I hope I kind of I hope that sort of makes sense of it and um, but yeah there's sometimes that it's um yeah there's there's opinion and then there's there's just it's like when people um 
I had a one of the posts on pageant land. I used to say one of the posts on pageant land that was uh, one of our um, Black History Month posts. Now, none of those are political. They're all about sharing just amazing stories of Black women in pageantry, um, and it got flagged by Instagram as being political. Oh. And I appealed it. I'm still waiting to hear back on my appeal. Um, I appealed it. It was only because I wanted to promote the post. I wanted to boost the post. Uh, they let me post it. But if I wanted to promote it, um, I wasn't allowed to promote something that was political. And I was like, how is this political? I'm singing the praises of an awesome woman in pageantry. And um, this, this shouldn't even be a question of ethics. This is just a good thing. Um, like, how is this a political post? Um, and I... I mean, they, they have said that they're delayed in responding at the moment. So we'll wait and see what they come back with. Um, but I was like, how? That's not political. <laughs> a lot of those things are generated by bots. And they literally will pick it out based on you know, stink words. So it's probably not down to the fact that somebody has deemed it political by reading it. They've probably picked up on a specific word and that has flagged that it's a political conversation and and a spam bot has has actually sent you that (laughs) so that's probably how that happened you find that a lot in in real life um where people think it's they still say it's political and it's like it's not it's an ethical issue um it's like we we talk about it in pageant land don't we a lot about that we're we try and be as unbiased as possible um, and express lots of different points of view. But there are some things that we just won't stand for, like racism and bullying. Um, those are ethical um, yeah. things. It's not about being biased or unbiased. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, and we're, it's, we're not mor- it's be pro, moral. Pro racist yeah. and anti racist. That's not something you can be biased or unbiased against. Like, you exactly. just. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I do think sometimes things, yeah, fall into those kind of those kind of catchments so it's like I said we've had the best conversation between the question marks but my final question um, is where can we find you on social media so you can uh, follow my Instagram my Instagram is a little bit of a, a a hodgepodge it's basically it's it's everything my blog is called the world through cat's eyes so my Instagram is very much that it's my world and my Instagram is just cat underscore v for victor underscore henry so cat underscore v underscore henry that's my instagram name um i have various different pages on facebook i have my cat henry page which is where i post all of my modeling blogging and pageantry stuff and then i have my zumba page which you're more than welcome to follow which is just zumba with cat henry so yeah you can i'm also on twitter but and tiktok (laughs) but uh, they're literally the easiest way to find me if you want to find me is put cat henry into google and you will find me. All of my handles are in there. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today. I value and appreciate your time so much. It's wonderful you've given some of it to this episode. Please rock on over to our Facebook or Instagram and share your thoughts. And I would love you to give this episode a share while you're there. For any specific links, check the show notes or rock on over to our website, pageantlandpodcast.com for more information about the podcast or how you can be a guest on a future episode. Have an amazing day. And remember, you sparkle your brightest when you're being yourself. See you soon.